What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 39. Um, this is perhaps one of the uh, one of the conversations I've been looking forward to the most out of all the guests I've had. Um, we were talking a little bit off air. We're both Star Wars fans, we established. Yes. And um, he's been one of my biggest inspirations into libertarianism over the last you know eight or so years that I've called myself a libertarian. Um, it is the great Larry Sharp. Larry, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me aboard. I appreciate it. Of course, of course, and I could not be more excited to have this conversation. So um, real quick, just give a brief introduction to yourself in case anybody doesn't know you. I'm sure everybody does, but just, you know, in case nobody else does. Larry Sharp, if you really care, you can always just Google Larry Sharp and Sharp with an E. That makes it special. My, my story is everywhere. If you if you do care, I hope you all care. Um, but if you, if you don't, if you're too lazy to Google, and perhaps you are, um, or you don't know me, I am a... Uh, I'm a libertarian since 2012. Gary Johnson brought me into the into the party. I supported him in libertarian candidates before then. Um, I had always been, I think, not liber- libertarian leaning because I didn't know what libertarianism was, but I was always volunteerism leaning, always. That's who I've been my entire life. That's what I teach. I teach post-industrial leadership in colleges and with businesses, my day job. And that's all about getting people to want to do it, not forcing them to do it. So it was very easy for me to, to shift into libertarianism because it works with my business model. It works then with my governmental model. So I ran for governor of New York in 2018, um, doing well for libertarian, not great overall, I lost, but I did well for libertarian. We got ballot access. We uh, built up the party. Um, we got some ideas out. We were able to go on Joe Rogan's show. We had the Ben Dave Rubin show. We were able to get people to kind of see us better and I hope help out others. I was able to raise about half a million dollars for myself. And over the course of the past six years, I've raised about another half a million for others um, while I, as I've traveled the country and traveled the state, trying to get people to raise money so we can actually be a, a powerful political voice, which we have struggled with for many years. We're better than ever though now, which is great. I'm happy about that. And um, I'm going to be running for governor of New York this year in 2022. So life is good here too. Yeah, right. Well, hopefully we can uh, kind of beat out that free state of Florida, which, you know, it's definitely something to be jealous of. But, um, you know, with uh, Larry Sharp in uh, New York in 2022. um, I'm I'm sorry, New York is getting their lunch eaten right now by Florida. Florida's eating their lunch. Mm -hmm. You got to change that. I mean, I'm not happy about that, but I'm just being honest right now. They're whipping us pretty badly right now. They are. Right, right. And this is kind of um, something else I want to talk about. One thing that I've always admired about you is that you always present pre- uh, present solutions and you're all about um, solving problems. And 100%. some libertarians kind of look at this stuff and say, oh, well, you know, he's not extreme enough. He's not radical enough. Yep. Well, let's, uh, as the saying goes, stop living in Ancapistan in your head and let's talk about on the ground stuff. And as I'm sure you know, a lot of libertarians haven't been good with this, of dealing with the facts on the ground. Um, 
Yeah, but there, you don't you don't have to. It's there's no dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. You can be radical in your heart and in your mind, but then look at the real world and say, how do I get there? Right. right? Is there? I've I've been on record more than once saying I would love a fully voluntary society. I would. That's not where I live right now, and I have to turn my state towards that. Right now, my state is pointing in the opposite direction and marching as quick as it can, right? So I, I would like to be all the way over there. I would. So let me first turn my state around and let's start marching down that road, right? If I give you a policy that is that does not increase taxes, you might say, well, Larry, I'd like to have no taxes. Not increasing taxes is not good enough. I need you to end taxes. And I would say to you, I agree with you 100%. This is where I can go today. So let me go here today. And hopefully tomorrow I can go further because the remember is most Americans, when they hear no government, when you, sorry, when you say no government, they hear end of the world, chaos, <laughs> burning cities. Yep. That's what they hear. We have to show them, oh, wait. If I do something libertarian, there's no zombie apocalypse. Oh, my God. And they really are expecting zombie apocalypse. That's what they're expecting. And when they see there's no zombie apocalypse, they go, okay, hey, libertarian, what else you got? And that's what I want. I want the country to start saying, what else you got? Okay, you you got that? Oh, that, that tastes good, too. Okay, what else you got? So that's what I'm trying to achieve. It doesn't mean I don't want to be there. Of course I do. Of course I do. But I yeah, look but- at myself, right? When I, when I first came to the movement in 2012, I thought Gary Johnson was radical. <laughs> I'm just telling you where my head was, right? right. People laugh at me all the time at that. But that's real. I thought he was radical. I'm like, what? Wait a minute. So government isn't the answer for everything? What? Is that true? Like, I couldn't believe it, right? I mean, that was that was where my head was. And there are a lot of Americans who are still there and they need whoever they need. I'm not against what people would call a radical message at all. Cause some people that really lands and some people it doesn't. I'm greedy, man. I want all of the libertarians, all of them. So I want all the messages. I want the more radical messages. I want the more milk toast messages. I want them in the middle. I want all of the messages because I want everyone to come to us anyway. And they can come at any level of libertarian, like just touching or hardcore and cap. Yes, yes, and yes. If that's our problem, if our problem is, imagine for a moment, anyone listening and watching, imagine for a moment that our problem is not left versus right, but how libertarian you are. If that's <laughs> our government problem, we're living in an amazing country. Yeah. Let's let that Absolutely. be the problem. Let, let the battle be between, do we want to have you know a standing army or not? Like that's the kind of, oh my God, really? <laughs> now we're living in a great spot. Let's hope. That's our problem. Right. Well, I heard you lay out your COVID plan, and obviously I'm a little bit late in the game here, and it's still important nonetheless. Um, I would like you to not only just elaborate on that, but going forward, you see this regime's getting worse and worse. Yes. Um, How do you think you could kind of work around these vaccine mandates and, um, you know, kind of work with this COVID regime to roll it back or, as you would say, stop the bleeding in New York to perhaps entice more people to stay there rather than, you know, pick up and leave? The the reality of it is, sadly, my COVID plan is two years old now. 
And I put that plan out, not knowing everything, right? I put it out. It's on, if you can, you can go to my, this is actually, I got to change where it is. Right now it's still on my Sharp Way Show YouTube page. I got to move it to my Larry Sharp YouTube page, but it's still on my Sharp Way Show YouTube page. If you go there, it's COVID, March, 2020 COVID response. You can check the playlist out. It's literally right there. And I spoke about what we could do so that within three to six months, it would not be politicized and we would know what's correct. And every county and area would have its own rules and regulations that it would create locally that would work for everyone around them. That was the goal, localization, right? And being open and honest and transparent with government. So the general idea, several fold. Number one was to not say, this is what we must do because I didn't know, and to be honest, neither did they. Instead, just they go, still kind of don't, and they still don't. Yes, and, <laughs> and I'm not mad at them for not knowing. Right, I'm mad at them for enforcing rules they were unsure of. Right, mm-hmm. that's what I'm mad about. But not knowing so what? I didn't know either. So what I said was, I would say what the CDC said and put it on on the government website. The CDC believes this. Because of that, my policy is you should do this. Note what I said: should, not must. Government says you should do this, but also others think the opposite. The Great Barrington Declaration, right? They have their own issues, whatever. Everyone has their own things of what they believe. Two, three different things. If I put two or three different ideas on the government website, you're actually more apt to trust the government because I'm giving you transparency. Some people still wouldn't, but you're more apt to trust the government, right? But I'm not, I'm not just done. I'm not done with that. I do that and then I just, I set up my inspectors, not to punish. But instead, you go to your facility. Did you choose to follow government rules? You did. You get a stamp that says you follow government rules. I don't shut you down. I let your community decide. If your community says government rules is what matters to them, they shut you down by not going. And that's fine. Then you better be smart, support your community, and follow government rules. Because your community says so, not because government says so. Or you want to follow others. Multiple. I let the other people do it too. You have three or four stamps on your facility if you want to. Pick whatever stamps work for your community. Now, here's the best part. I ask everyone else locally also for transparency, which means that in a month or two, when we find out what actually works, I can now change my policy. Once I use government force, I can't change my policy anymore. Once I make you lose your job, or once I take away your business, or once I crush you, I can't now go, well, you know, I was, I was just kidding. That doesn't work. But if I say it's voluntary and you choose to do so, and then I said, look, I was wrong, Here's what's, a, we, we've got the data now. Let's change. And here's the real information. Now it's also not politicized. And your health should not be politicized. Right. You should be getting Absolutely. a vaccine or you should be wearing a mask or you should be, you know, whatever, because you believe it's right for your health. It should not be because your talking head on either MSNBC or Fox News told you whether it was good or not. That's the wrong reason to be getting any of these things. You should get them because you believe it's right for your health. And so I can now change and go, wait a minute, we thought this was going to work. It doesn't. This is what actually works. And in fact, this works in the local communities where the density is very small and high density, this works. And I can now show them, here's what we don't recommend. But I still don't force you. I just show you. And my inspectors go out every month and say, hey, are you following the, new, the guidelines? You are, you get a stamp. You're not, no stamp. Your community decides to shut you down or not. That's how we are allowed to survive in this environment. If we'd have done that within six months, probably three, within six months, we would know exactly what the right protocols are, and they would have been voluntarily adopted by each community. Mm-hmm. And the only businesses that would have gone under were those who wanted to defy their community. 
And if you want to defy your community, good, go out of business. You're an idiot. I don't mind that. I'm okay with that, right? That's a good reason to go out of business. Not because I deem someone, you know, essential or not. That's the wrong reason to go out of business. Right. But if you do it that way, I'm fine with that. Others will follow and we'll know what happens. But a lot of people would have died. People died now. <laughs> they died now. But with me, you got maybe three months of pain and then now we're set and we're not a function. Mm -hmm. I was a Marine for seven years during the 80s, back when we had a USSR. And we were worried about things like chemical attacks and things like that. They taught us to survive in a contaminated environment. The war doesn't end because the environment's contaminated. Well, find protocols in the civilian world to function in a contaminated environment. Now, that's just the, the response for the government. But there's other things. One, you end immediately. All, uh, this would have happened in March. And I said this two marches ago. You, we end immediately any Department of Building regulations and codes that would stop people in nonprofit common areas from sleeping. And there are many areas where that's against the law. End it. Why? Because what we knew was that early on, it affects the elderly. We knew that. We didn't know how bad, but we knew it affected the elderly. So say you're a healthy 20, 30, 40 something, and you want to go to work and deal with your kids. Awesome. Go to work and don't go home because you got grandma, grandpa at home. Sleep in the local church. Sleep in the VFW. Sleep in the, in the Knights of Columbus. Stay there. And you could sleep there, still make money, and keep grandma, grandpa happy at home. Give them an option. Or the reverse. If the community thinks it's appropriate, you could use that local place as a place for the elderly who don't want to go home and sleep. The community can decide whatever works. But not just that. All testing, all tests, and all ventilators. And in New York State, any rules on 3D printing, and do not enforce any IP or 3D printing rules in New York State for a year when it comes to any of those two. So you can make your own tests. You can make your own. We found out in May the test didn't work. Remember that? Because we had to follow the CDC only. They were the mm -hmm. only ones, and they were all wrong. Yep. So all the people who got screwed, all the people who died in those three months. My New York State, anybody makes it, by the time one month happens, we know which tests work and which don't. And now, again, we now have, we've come, come with an environment where anyone can be testing. We would have had home testing in two months, not two years. With yeah. my plan. In two months, we have home testing instead of two years. Now, I talked about this again on record two years ago. This is a libertarian plan to deal with COVID. But not just that. We don't run out of ventilators. Why? Anyone can make ventilators. Locally, you can produce ventilators with 3D printing. I have to wait for them to come from China. I can make them here in New York State because I just don't enforce any rules on IP or on 3D printing for New York State. Do it in New York State. You're safe. You cross borders. The feds come after you. Stay in New York State. Make it here. You're safe. Done deal. But I'm still not done. End all certificate of need when it comes to hospitals. We had 50,000 beds when COVID hit. Now you know how many beds we have? 50,000. Hasn't changed. <laughs> Hasn't changed. None. No change. Oh, we're But the hospitals beds. are going to overflow. The hospitals are going to overflow. Yes. But <laughs> I said, end those rules. Why does government decide where a hospital has to be? In New York State, it does. No. Put a hospital where you want to. Make the beds go where you want to. Done. We're talking now about the, the, um, the National Guard coming in the staff. National Guard can't staff, they already run out. Of course, because you don't have people who are trained. National Guard should be building field hospitals as they do well. But we also must do in New York State is end the stupid rules, which we're doing now, by the way. Kathy Hochul just recently said she's gonna reduce the, uh, the, the problems with people coming from the states and practicing medicine in New York State. If you're in New York State and you don't have a New York State license, you can't practice medicine in New York State. How stupid is that? Like those Connecticut people don't know how to do medicine. I mean, what's wrong with you? That's our rules. So I would have ended those two years ago. 
This way, people from more rural states who weren't getting hit at the time could have come to our cities who were getting hit. Now you have the National Guard building out field hospitals. You now have ventilators, you have tests, and you have personnel. That's a libertarian answer. All the things we're dealing with now, we would have had done within three months under my plan. All of them done within three months. And again, I put that out. People can check it out if they want to. That's what would have happened. All would have been better. I'm still not done. Now what you do is you tell people if you want to sell masks or if you want to sell um, um, sand sanitizer, sand, uh, hand sanitizer, <laughs> no, 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 no um, sales tax. Because what stops people is sales tax. Mm -hmm. So no sales tax. If you're a nonprofit, no tax at all. Again, allowing community to step up. And does hand sanitizer work? I didn't know if it did. Did masks work? I didn't know if it did. But you know what would have happened? Now nonprofits start talking about health, which is what I want. Because the best defense against any biological uh, attack, whatever that biological attack is, is good immune system and good health. Mm -hmm. So I would like all communities talking about health, like washing your hands and wearing a mask, whatever, right? And if people are doing it voluntarily, we would have found out what masks worked if not. Remember at first, masks are critical, don't wear a mask, mask saves lives, masks are useless. Well, you know what? I would have to worry about some talking head telling me this. I would know. I would have the data. Yeah. And so would the people around. I don't have to make a rule. People go, hey, I used to go into Johnny's shop. Do they wear masks? No, people are dying. I guess masks work in Johnny's shop. I should wear a mask, whatever, or they don't. Right, I got two shops. Bob is wearing a mask. Johnny's not. No, no this, the death rate's the same. They don't work. It's fine, whatever. I mean, we would know this. I don't have to worry about a talking head telling me stuff. The problem is when you start mandating stuff, talking heads are now responsible. They're never going to back down. They're always going to double down, which is what you see, because now they're responsible for all those deaths. And they're never going to take responsibility for that, Absolutely ever. So they would just double down, double down, double down, triple down, quadruple down. With my method, I never force anything. So I can change, realizing that I wouldn't know everything. How can I expect as governor to be the doctor-in-chief? Right? It's not my, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get hired to be the doctor-in-chief. And I'm not your father, by the way, either. People want me to be their father. I'm not your father, <laughs> right? I'm just a guy trying to make the state better for everybody so we can be happy. So people will stay and not leave. So now it's been two years. All that damage that's been done, a lot of that is unrepairable. I know it sounds harsh. A lot of it is. There are many New Yorkers who've left who are never coming back. That's why I'm saying I have to stop the bleeding. I want others to stop leaving. And many New Yorkers are thinking about leaving if they haven't already left. To stop that. And the number one thing is giving them hope for a better future. That's the number one issue. Right now, we're not doing that. We're just like, we just got to get past this. Just get past this. We'll get back to some form of normalcy. They've Ain't been saying that for two years. Now, if you think I'm making that up, think about the Patriot Act. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. 20, uh, 21 years ago. It's, When's uh, the last time we were scared of Al-Qaeda? Right? right? And then the enemy was the same way. It was Al-Qaeda, but no, it was Saddam Hussein, but... But no, it's ISIS, but no, it's uh, ISIC and this ISIL. And it's, I don't yeah. know what it is. It's the thing that says always a bad guy or it's the Russians or the Chinese. It's yeah. the bad, there's always a boogeyman out there. And now it's 
it's COVID or it's Delta or yeah. it's Omicron or it's it's uh, no difference. I'm kind of glad you got to the foreign policy part because I was listening to a debate you did with uh, that YouTuber Destiny, and yep. I'd never heard you talk about foreign policy until that debate. Yep. And I never realized you are one smart fucking cookie when it comes to foreign policy, man. I had no idea. I was very impressed with your uh, knowledge on that. So um, everybody's wrong. I'm right. Yeah, no, I'm just I, telling I you, I'm right. You, you yes. must admit you you had to be on the phone with Scott Horton a few hours, a few times, probably. No, at some point. I don't need to. No, <laughs> all right. I, well, no, I don't. No, no. This is stuff I've always thought. This is the way I think okay. always. Scott Horton is a much more deep diving guy than I am. He, yeah. Scott's like deep. <laughs> like you can just and he'll absolutely way deeper. Fifty five hundred interviews. That guy's yeah. deep. So I'm much more broader mm -hmm. and sh more shallow. He is deep, so I don't even, yeah. I can't go there. Right? So, so the concepts um, are the same. Yeah. So, over the last like four years, we've been hearing so much about China, Russia, Ukraine, and Taiwan. Yep. Um, I, I kind of want to see if we can kind of unpack some of these. So, yep. with the political right, they've, it seems like they're kind of button to push is China. China's going to come over here, take us over. They're going to buy all our They'll stuff. They'll change that next week. They don't care. They just want to enemy. But, um, no. Here's the reality. So the Here's, the reality. Yeah. Here's the reality. Um, Taiwan, within the next 15 to 20 years, maybe 10 years even, maybe 10, is going to become part of China through a treaty. That's going to happen. Okay. The Taiwanese are not going to fight China. When the Chinese decide, whenever that time is, they're going to invade, they will create an ultimatum because they don't want to invade. But they will. They don't want to. They will. What they want is Taiwan. They don't care how or whatever. America, I really hope, is not prepared to die for Taiwan. That would be a terrible idea if we do that. A lot of right-wingers kind of seem like we, or actually even left-wingers too, a lot of people think that we should go fight for Taiwan, but you know, it's like we're already an empire completely overextended. Do you they're think we can go more? Two things. One, they're happy to throw poor youth into the meat grinder. They mm -hmm. don't care about the poor youth. Yep. So that's number one. It's not them. It's these poor youth people. Let them all die. They don't care, number one. So there's no caring. Uh, number two, the reason why we were in Afghanistan for 20 years is it was a 20-year, $2 trillion grift. People made <laughs> tons of money off of it. Lockheed War Martin. is yep. profitable. So they would love to go into Taiwan and be there and put units in there and, and put a bunch of bases in there and stay there for 20 years to, to deter China from invading. Now, my worry is China might say, go ahead. We're still invading. Well, they might not do it. They did it in Korea. They did it in Korea. They came across and fought American soldiers one-on-one -on -one the Chinese did. They fought Marines and soldiers. In fact, they fought the UN. China fought the UN for North Korea. And they threw men at that place. They lost tens of thousands of men. They threw them at that. Why wouldn't they do it for, for Taiwan? Of course they would. Of course they would. And here's the worst part. If they actually want to take ta Taiwan, they will bomb it into the ground to take it. They'll, they will literally hold a burning husk of an island, if need be. Are we prepared to fight that battle? I hope not. Taiwan doesn't want that either. So here is my prediction on this. Within 10 to 15 years or so, Taiwan makes some form of agreement to be part of China with the kind of one country, two systems. China will accept that for about 15, 20 years, then just take them over. Just like they'll do, they'll do Hong Kong. They'll follow Hong Kong. They kept Hong Kong kind of by itself about 20 years, then just took it over. Same thing with Taiwan. They'll let Taiwan be kind of what it is for like 20 years, take it over. That's what will happen. It'll be, it'll be a treaty 
America will be part of that treaty and will then say that they have solved the problem. America will take credit for solving the Taiwan problem by creating some form of treaty that will put <laughs> Taiwan as part of China. That's right. what will happen. So, China is already having trouble with their economy. Yes, already. Absolutely. It's already happening, right? Mm -hmm. We are too intertwined. So it's gonna happen. we're not going to stop making things in China. That sounds good. Here's how you fix China. I'm not even joking with this. We, me, you, everyone listening and watching, have to stop buying Chinese products. That's it. That is the only way it changes. You can do tariffs. You can do whatever. All that does, does is punish people here. The way we have, to yes. decide, we have to decide that that it matters. And sadly, for most of us, it doesn't. Right? Most Americans don't care if their product comes from slave labor in China. Sadly, most Americans don't care. Now, let me be very forward. If most Americans don't care, and I think most don't, why is it the government's job to stop them if most Americans don't care? If, this is supposedly a, a democracy, I thought. If most Americans are like, I don't care if it's slave labor, then I, uh, <laughs> the Brits were buying our cotton from slaves for 100 years, right? Mm -hmm. They were buying it. They were like, slavery is evil, but these shirts are cheap. <laughs> That's literally what Britain was doing for a hundred years, right? From 17, whatever, to 1865, they were buying American cotton made by slaves and at the same time saying slavery is evil, it's so bad, but these shirts are cheap, man, it's by these. They were totally fine to do it. We're doing that now with China. Yeah. And at one point, we as Americans have decided it's not okay. Mm. It's not okay. And when we decide that, then China will change. Not because China cares about slave labor clearly it doesn't but because the people making money do care that's how it works right now russia it, yeah. russia is a joke russia's economy is about as big as texas that's it it's tiny the only thing that russia matters is they have nuclear weapons that's it they want to invade ukraine so let them have a vietnam they didn't learn from <laughs> afghanistan they're that stupid we just got a bucket in afghanistan you want to spend 20 years trying to take ukraine good luck <laughs> good luck why do i want to die for ukraine good luck you'll spend 20 years you'll fight a, a horrible war like in afghanistan ukrainians will win and they'll push you out eventually with this 10 or 20 years because you, we know nowadays you just you can't conquer territory anymore it doesn't work and it's yeah. not valuable the value in american world is intellectual property that's the value land is very often more of a pain than anything else land is symbolic now right the chinese want taiwan because two things, one, intellectual property, making all those, uh, all those uh, um, chips, right? They want to make all the, all the chips and stuff in Taiwan. They want all that. They want to be an Intel all over. The, that's why they want, they want that. Not, and, and of course, it's symbolic. The land itself, if they have to conquer Taiwan with, with force, Taiwan's got, what, 30 million people, something like that, I forgot how many it has, 25, 30 million people, something like that. Mm -hmm. You're going to stare and, and, and put, I don't know, half a million Chinese soldiers to, to keep Taiwan down, the Chinese will do it. And most of those soldiers will, will probably be Mongolians because Mongolians and, and Western Uyghurs and such, they'll use those type of troops because they don't care about the Chinese and they'll be cruel to them. They'll do something like that. They'll figure that kind of thing out. Anyway, I've, I've, I've yapped away. China's not a business. Russia's not a business. Right. The, the China thing's always kind of been funny to me. And it, it's really, like I said, it's a hot button for right-wingers and it gets them all riled up. But we have record trade deficits every single month anymore with China, as in we print up all this ridiculous money from the Federal Reserve and we send it over to China. In fact, I'm pretty sure this last trade deficit was $98 billion in a month. And 
we didn't produce anything. We literally sent them paper and they sent us stuff. Who's losing here? We're at supposed to, yeah. At the moment, nobody. At the moment. And the reason is, at yes, the moment, actually, yeah. Yeah, at the moment, nobody. Because as long as America is a, is a reserve currency and people are holding and trading in dollars, like you go to certain places in the world, they trade their own currency in for dollars before they buy stuff. Right, not everywhere, but there are areas of the world where that actually happens, where they, they trust the dollar more than their own currency. Yeah. As long as that's true, we're actually okay. I hate to say that because I it tastes bad me saying it, but it's true right. because of the way the system is set up right now. That's not inflation right now that we're dealing with it in America is not because of all the money being printed. That's a part of it, but that's always happening, right? Yeah. The biggest chunk is people aren't working. That's mm-hmm. the biggest part. People aren't working. Aren't We're not producing. That's the biggest reason when it comes to inflation. The biggest reason. Don't get me wrong. The Fed is a part of that, but that's always happening. The massive chunk isn't because we spent all the money yet. The massive chunk <laughs> is because of working. Now, once we get to that point to where it does affect us, here's the worst part. It's going to be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. It is going to be catastrophic. When eventually... People in the world go, these dollars are like not worth a damn. We should rather have whatever, some cryptocurrency or the euro or the one, whatever is the thing that replaces it, right? Whatever, or the gold bar, whatever. Whatever they find out when they decide that it's not valuable anymore, we're in big trouble. That's when all those years of scamming hit home with a big <laughs> smash. So right now, we aren't that bad because of it. But eventually, uh, that comes back to bite you. Yeah, and like I said, I think um, we're we're seeing that with these trade deficits, and everybody's got money to go on shopping sprees. Yep. And Absolutely. like you said, the way to end it would be to roll back some more government regulations to make it easier for us to produce at home, so that way we can Correct. consume from home. Yes, yes, crazy, right? <laughs> Let Americans work, so we can create more goods and services, which is a buffer against inflation. Doesn't stop inflation but it's a buffer against inflation. So why aren't we doing that? Now, I'm also saying if, if New York State may, for example, I don't know, create its own currency, that might also be a buffer for inflation because it makes less US dollars running around New York State. And if things really go badly, the state can fall back to the state currency. Yeah, and well, you know what? That's even constitutional too, because you're allowed to state make currency. currency. That's right, correct. absolutely. So, you know, you're right wingers. Can't get mad at that. You're a fancy piece of paper. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So at one point, if that happens, it also becomes, oh my God, it takes, you know, whatever it costs 40 bucks for a loaf of bread. Yeah, but it only costs two Yorkies. So yeah. maybe I'll buy my bread in Yorkies instead of dollars. Maybe I'll take my salary in Yorkies instead of dollars. Hmm. That, by the way, is the New York City current is New York State currency, the Yorkie. <laughs> It's not the dogs, right? You don't pay people like dogs. Ah, it's fine. You can do it. It's fine. Put a little dog on it. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. If it nice. makes people, if it makes people use it, yeah, put a dog on it. It's fine. And now I'm sure it will get a widespread adoption. If you just put like I don't know Woodrow Wilson or uh, Cuomo on it, I don't think anybody will use it. But like a little Yorkie, I think that's pretty sellable. Yeah, people will, people will buy it. They like they like the little dogs, right? So yeah, yeah. put a dog on it. I don't yeah. care what you put on it. It's fine. I, I got two big dogs and one smaller dog, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. So we'll like have bigger dogs and like the, the ten Yorkie. <laughs> Little dogs are like the one Yorkie, yeah. whatever, right? Whatever. The hundred Yorkie has like a great Dana or something. It's fine. Yeah, there you I go. Found. 
Yeah, well, we're, we're laying a pretty good uh, foundation down here. Okay. Um, I kind of want to pivot to going forward. 2022, 2024 are going to be major years. And I know everybody says that every single election is the biggest election of our lifetime. But I do believe this is a little bit more monumental just because of the stuff we've went through over the last two years. Um, in Pennsylvania, I'm sure you know that we have the most elected libertarians in the country. Now, it may not be like, you know, governor or mayor or stuff mm -hmm. like that, but we're, we're getting those seats here and there. You, are you more so optimistic that this is going to be a little bit more of the pattern throughout the rest of the country? And do you think that there's going to be more higher up positions offered to libertarians in uh, 2022, 2024? The reason why these current elections are so important is, for, is, is not for Republicans, Democrats. It doesn't matter right. that there's always the same. For us, it is. And the reason why it is, is the door for change is closing. The window is closing. Yes, absolutely. Right? We are becoming so entrenched, so divided up that now even social media is not even, is becoming separate, right? If you look at regular TV, people watch right-wing shows or left-wing shows, right? That wasn't true on the internet. That is not becoming true on the internet, right? There's going to be like a left-wing Twitter and a right-wing Twitter, a left-wing Facebook and a right-wing Facebook. It's that's called about Getter. Yes, it's already happening. Yes, <laughs> that, it's already happening, right? So the window's yeah. closing. Once we stop talking, there will be violence. That's how it works. That's human nature, right? That's what happens. If we don't talk to you, there will be violence. The, the only answer is creating a third party or creating a third entity or creating something where people can talk. The third party is the answer. Libertarian movement is the answer because you don't have to convert to be libertarian. You can still be as liberal or as conservative as you want to be. Just leave people alone. If you want to be a Democrat or Republican, you got to be a Democrat or Republican. Or you got to be conservative or liberal. Right. To be a, a libertarian, you don't have to be either. Just leave, leave people alone. Hey, I think that, you know, whatever, smoking weed is bad. Great. Just don't stop people from smoking weed. All good, right? I gotta pass a law against it. Ah, oh, now you can become a Republican. Don't do that. Just be a libertarian. Hate weed. Don't smoke it. Don't let it in your house. We're good. We are totally good. But you wanna go do whatever is your thing. You you want freedom of, 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 of the church and you wanna be able to go to church 17 times a week. Great, go ahead. Just don't force somebody else to do that. Have a church in your house. Make your house a church. All good. Just don't force anyone else to come to your church. We're good. So you can do whatever you might think is conservative or liberal, whatever you might think, just stop forcing others. So I think we are the only answer. And if we don't make something happen in 2022, 2024, by 2026, the country's really in trouble. And I, don't, there's, I know it sounds like it's kind of hyperbolic, but I'm serious. I really am. The, the, I had a 10-year plan in 2016 when I first started being active in the party. I joined the party in 2012. I became active in 2016. I tried to become Gary Johnson's uh, running mate, and I lost to Bill Weld by 31 votes. Not that I'm counting. I mean, who, who counts? 31 votes. Anyway, so I lost that by 31 <laughs> votes. And it was a Johnson well ticket versus Johnson sharp ticket. Since then, I, created, I came up with a 10-year plan. I am now in my sixth year of my 10-year plan. And so 2026 is when my 10-year plan ends. If we don't have some form of federal representation by 2026, bowl game's over. That will be the end. Bowl game's over. That's my, that's my view. If we don't have some form, whether that's a senator, uh, I hope the presidency by 2020 would be amazing, but um, that's fine if it's not, but something, uh, a congressperson, something, right? Um, uh, but, it, but an active libertarian somehow being represented at the federal level. I would take a serious libertarian Supreme Court. 
right? Even that, some kind of representation at the federal level. If we don't have an active Libertarian Party member somehow there, ball game's over. Well, one person I really admire in the Liberty Movement as well, and you spoke to him on your show, and I really enjoyed that show, was uh, Mr. Shane Hazel. Mm. Um, phenomenal guy, but yes. look at him. He's a perfect He won't example. raise money. I bug him <laughs> all the time. I saw him in Michigan. I'm like, dude, raise money. You're good at what you do. People want to hear you. Raise yeah. some money. I'll come down and help. Just tell me. I'll come down and help. Yes. Well, anyway, I'm done com- Another Marine, by the way, another one of my brothers, another Marine. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Um, what's amazing about that is that Rand Paul and Mike Lee, two of the biggest names in like the Liberty Republican kind of sphere, came to him yes. saying endorse this terrible Republican. Awful. Like yes. I'll I'll throw my hat in the ring for Rand Paul or Mike Lee because they're actually good on stuff. Now, granted, if it was you versus Rand Paul, Thank sorry, you, Thank sorry, you. Rand. But, <laughs> Thank you. But um Point being, that's what we need to see more of. And could you imagine if Shane did fundraise or if he really went out and campaigned? I mean, literally, the whole country was upset at him for not endorsing this guy, for costing them the Senate, although I really don't believe that's entirely true. Um, I hope a, it is. Yeah, but that's a lot I, of leverage. Yes. That's a lot of leverage for us to hold. And what you always said and what I admired is that, look, you said, look, if these people adopt my ideas, cool, I'll go back to work. Guess what? Absolutely. Won. Yes, 100%. You remember that? And then Joe Rogan, I, I tell that story all the time. Joe Rogan says, Larry, you got some great ideas. Who made his ideas? I said, well, me and my team put them together. He goes, you better lock them down. I said, why? He said, people take them. I said, take them. I don't have to do this anymore. As I told right. you, we were chatting earlier, people, uh, um, when I was in New Jersey, I think it's 2017, 2018, I was raising money for their gubernatorial candidate at the time. And um, one of the guys asked me, he says, Larry, what's your uh, movie archetype? And I said, ah, it's easy. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? I'm the guy who dies fighting Darth Vader and then the rebels still win because I'm more powerful once I've been defeated, right? I mean, that's, that's I want to get everyone else up. It's, this, this can't be, and we've done this in the past in the movement many times. It can't just be one guy or one gal that everybody gets behind forever. It hopefully is one guy or one gal that brings people to the movement, but then motivates a bunch of other people to also step up, right? As a Marine, I know the goal of a good leader is to make more leaders, right? Because when the captain gets shot, the hill still has to be taken. So the sergeant's got to be able to step up and take that hill. So it can't be the Larry Sharp show or the Shane Hazel show or the insert person here show. I mean, I, I, I have a show, my name on it, right? But this, that's my personal show. But the, the movement has to be, I don't need, I say this all the time, I don't need a savior. The movement doesn't need a savior. It needs hundreds of heroes. Hundreds and hundreds of heroes, right? We need lots and lots of heroes throughout the country. And I think we are getting them slowly. And the reason why I say it is, look at what has happened. A lot of people aren't leaving. If you go back 10 years ago, people would run, lose, go away. Shane is still with us. I'm still here. Spike is still here. Mm -hmm. Ricky Harrington is still here. Right, people are still here. They run, don't win, and they stay and they keep growing. That didn't happen 10 years ago. That now happens, which means I think that we're growing because people are staying, we're keeping our talent, all those things. So I hope Shane's watching, raise money. Anyway, so <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I think he's staying, he's not quitting. And that's what usually happened. Now we're not. Yeah, and th- that's all 
awesome and i completely agree it, it is good to see that this movement's growing and it seems a little slow at times and it yes. can be frustrating because you don't see exactly what you want right away yep. but um it seems like we are on the verge of something bigger. Um, I am more so a member of the Mises Caucus, mm-hmm. and I support a lot of what they do. But it seems like that's growing the movement. And even people outside of the Mises Caucus, Joe Jorgensen brought people in. I donated yeah. to Joe. I voted for Joe. I did but, too. Um, she brought people in. And, you know, I think that it's starting to become a wider umbrella. And there are some bad actors, but some of those bad actors are leaving on their own. And I'm perfectly okay with that. If you call yourself a libertarian, but you're not going to support other libertarians who are good libertarians, right? That's that's the, the, the you know, the, the quiet part, if you will. <laughs> the good libertarians supporting other good libertarians. Then, you know, leave. Go do something else if you're not willing to help out, you know, everybody else. Which is, you know... When I spoke earlier, I mentioned that I raised about a half million dollars for myself, but I've also raised about a half million dollars for others. I raised about $130,000 just for Gary Johnson, $150,000, just for Gary Johnson. So, you know, that's how I help. That's what I'm good at, right? I do what I'm good at. Some people are better at policy. Some people are better at communications. Some people are good at tech. I'm good at raising money. I'm good at doing this, right? This is my skill set. So I give this skill set to others who are running to try to get them to, to, to be powerful. I'm building my sergeants, if that makes any sense, right? I'm helping other leaders to grow. And I think more of us have to do this. And I think when I do it, others copy, right? Spike's doing that now. Yeah. Running around, helping Killing others raise it. money. Killing right? It. He's doing it too, right? So others are doing it. It isn't just me. But again, if you go back 10 years, nobody was doing it. Nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. They would run, lose, and leave. And then we fight each other. And that's still our, that is still our, some of our legacy that we still deal with, right? We are in a state of constant betrayal. So of course, we're always angry at each other because we've been betrayed so many times. I tell people, if you want to run for office, one of the most important things to be able to do is take a knife in your back from your friend, pull it out. <clears throat> this is your property, you give back. You got to be able to do that because that's going to happen because we have a culture of that in our party, which we have to break. I think we're getting better. We are slowly breaking it, but that legacy is still with us. And we, I look at our movement like the, the barbarian hordes. Mm-hmm. When there's no enemy to fight, we, we, we fight amongst ourselves, mm-hmm. right? But once someone says, hey, let's go fight the Chinese, we all get together and go fight them. Hey, let's go fight the Eastern Europeans. We'll get together and go fight them, right? When we have a big enemy, we all get together and fight. But when there's no enemy, oh, we, we just squabble. We just squabble. Right. We're bad. Which is one of the reasons why I ran in 2018. After 2016, which... The reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to be the VP in 2016 is I thought I could do what Spike is doing now from 2020. I wanted to be doing what Spike was doing from 2016, right? Spike, I'm glad, picked it up from 2020. It's what I would have been doing in 2016 had I won the nomination. He won, I lost, I couldn't do it. So my answer was, I'll run for governor instead. So I was able to still unite people. I, I built the biggest campaign that we ever had that was non-presidential and raised the most money ever with except presidential. Presidential always raises more. He said, I, I raised the most money. So I had the biggest, longest campaign of 2018. I hope to do that again in 2022. But 2018 is what I did. So I was hoping that that would be something I could do again coming up in 2022. This time, hopefully, though, my team will be available for whoever wants to run for president in 2024. So I think we can have a good 2022. In 2024, in my view, the goal of our, our candidate in 2024 should be to win electoral votes. Doesn't matter if it's even one. I don't care if it's the one in Maine. I don't care. I want gold on that map in 2024. If we get gold on the map in 2024, 
we have a real shot at winning something in 2026. That will help all of the local candidates running because every time they show that map and they show that map a bazillion times, there's going to be a piece of gold on that map. And someone goes, what's that gold? Oh, libertarians. Oh, yeah, those guys, they're real. Anybody else running is going to have an advantage over that. So I, I wanted it to happen in 2020. We didn't get that. Got to happen in 2024. We got to win some electoral votes, at least one. I hope we win like 15. It'd be amazing. But some electoral votes in 2024, that will help everybody locally in 2025, 2026. And then we have a shot at victory in 2028, right? Then there's a real chance of victory in 2028. If we can get some electoral votes in 2024, we have a chance of victory in 2028. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, Last it's couple, possible. I agree. Last couple of weeks with some of the drama going down in the LP kind of had me feeling a little bit doomer. And nobody down. cares, please. Nobody <laughs> cares. I'm gonna be for every libertarian listening. Nobody cares. Nobody. I call people every day. I'm out in the real world. No one even knows who the yeah. LP leadership is. Nobody cares. If the drama comes out, just ignore it. The only reason why it grows is because you grow it. Stop growing it. Nobody cares. No Democrats like, oh my God, look libertarian. No one's doing that. No Republicans like, oh my God. And someone said, but Larry, that one thing made national news. No, it wasn't a national website that nobody read. Nobody cares. We are a joke to most people. That's the reality. So instead of doubling down on something that doesn't matter at all, that is irrelevant, totally irrelevant, I don't care. Larry, why don't you chime in on these things happening in these states? Because I don't care. <laughs> they don't affect me in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. They don't, I don't raise any more money. I don't get any more votes. My, my party doesn't get any better or worse. I don't care. If it's not your state, you shouldn't care either. If it's your state, you should care. If it's not your state, why do you care? I don't care. It doesn't matter. I want the national LP to do only one thing and one thing only. Get us ballot access in 50 states. The rest, I don't care what it does. I don't care what it does. Get us, get us ballot access. Support ballot access in everything, including mine, by the way. Every state, support ballot access in every state. Otherwise, I don't care what it does. I don't care who the chair is. I don't care who's fighting what. I don't care. Second, I don't care. Do that, we're good. Don't do that, I'm pissed. That's all I care about. Well, uh, you definitely lit a fire back under my ass. I'm a little bit more optimistic about the uh, yes. the future of the LP now. So um, I want to thank you for coming on. I kept you a little bit longer than um, you gave me. So you've been very generous with your time. And as I said earlier, I'm, I was super stoked to have this conversation. And I'm very, very glad you're able to come on. And um, hopefully sometime in the future, we could maybe do it again. Um, Larry, go ahead, plug your stuff and we'll get, uh, we'll get on out of here. LarrySharp.com. Check me out. I'm on all the interwebs, all the things Larry Sharp. Maybe not like MeWe. I'm on all the things. Just I'm going to be on all the other ones coming up here soon. Maybe the getter and all those things. I'll get all those things. Yes. But yes, Larry Sharp, Google, I'm there. Awesome stuff, Larry. Thank you so much. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.